is this the teacher hotline? everyone and welcome back to another episode of the teacher hotline my name is ronald hay where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom today we have scotty from the durham catholic district school board scotty how can we help you today hi ron um i'm a new guidance counselor that works in a challenging school population there are plenty of suspensions fights family issues mental health issues and students struggling to get into post-secondary Honestly, the list can go on. As a new guidance counselor, um, I'm finding the most difficult part of the job is having conversations with students about all these varying topics. These are things they don't really teach you or tell you about when you go into guidance. I'm just wondering if you have an experienced guidance counselor that can come on the show and talk about moments where they've had to have challenging conversations with students or families and how they handle them. Thanks. Thank you so much, Scotty. Uh, big shout out to the guidance counselors out there. Uh, that is definitely another department that doesn't really get enough credit for all the work that they do. And you are absolutely right. Uh, this is a very challenging role, and I can see it every single day at my school. So today I want to bring in Sam Layton, a guidance counselor that works in the private school system. Uh, before going into guidance, Sam taught subjects ranging from English, drama, music, phys ed, and ESL. And she's been teaching uh, all over the world, including New Zealand and in Korea, before teaching full-time in Canada. Sam also received her teaching degree in New Zealand at the University of Canterbury. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, guidance, we actually just had an episode recorded on guidance uh, not too long ago. We were talking about all the different responsibilities of what a guidance counselor does, and I'm not gonna lie, like, you know, it, it's shocking just how much is actually on your plate and how, again, not shocking how difficult the job is. Uh, but I guess what shocked me the most was just the the wide ranging um, responsibilities on your plate. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, there's, it's definitely never a dull day in the office. Um, and uh, there's, there's always something to do. <laughs> <laughs> so why, what made you want to go into guidance? Did you know you want to be a guidance counselor or is this something that kind of came up as you were going through your career? Yeah, uh, good question. It's kind of twofold. Um, I mean, on just one, I, I've kind of been doing this role unofficially for both in my professional and personal life. Um, I've kind of just been the person that a lot of people go to within my friend group and um, that that sort of just continued into my professional life. And even when I was a teacher, students that I didn't teach would come up to me and just ask me questions. Um, uh, I taught at a previous, uh, an international private school in Scarborough a few years ago. And I would have the the girls coming up to me asking me how to use uh, period products all the time. And I never taught them, but because I taught it in my gym class, they needed to know because their families aren't here you know, and so mm. I kind of just, I don't know, it just felt like everything was sort of pushing me towards being in the guidance role. And I thought, you know, why not just take the AQ and and just like make it a thing. Uh, so I did that. And I, I also felt like I could help kids in a more 
in-depth way than being a teacher. I felt I had more that I could do for them than I could having like a class of 30, you know? So, what uh, At what point of your career did this kind of click in? Like, was this like five years into your job, 10 years? Like, I don't know. When did that light bulb go off for you? Um, I think it went off in 2019. Um, okay. I've always- And how long have you been doing, how long have you been a guidance counselor for? Uh, two years. So I'm two still years? pretty new into being a guidance counselor. Right. Um, but it, yeah, I love teaching. It, it, you know, had a great time doing it. But guidance just felt like the the next step for me being able to to help kids. Right. Just so, just for context for our conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, how big is the school that you're currently working at? The school I'm currently at is about 120, 125 students, ranging from JK to grade twelve. Oh wow. Yeah. And do you find that it's like for, you know, as a classroom teacher, you're only responsible for, let's say, I don't know, 30 students in a class at any given point, give or take. Right. Um, so it's a little bit easier to build relationships. Do you find it, it's harder to build relationships with and trust with these kids um, that come into your office because, you know, you're dealing with, you know, a larger population? Or I, I think it definitely can be, especially, you know, coming into somewhere when you're new. Um, and yeah, it's a lot easier to, to cultivate relationships when you're their teacher, cause you're seeing them every day. They're, they're kind of forced to get to know you, but as the guidance counselor, you're in your office or you're walking around the school and it's, a, it is a little bit harder, I'd say at first, um, I'm sort of a big kid at heart. So I don't have, uh, I, I didn't have a lot of issues cultivating those kinds of relationships with my students. I kind of just like threw myself in their faces, get to know me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I kind of made it a, a point to put myself sort of anywhere and everywhere within the school because I recognize I'm coming into such a tight knit community, yeah. um, and I really needed them to trust me so that they felt like they had that support. So, right. I guess yes and no. <laughs> so let's talk about some of these. The, the caller's question here about having Ooh. challenging conversations, and you know. I think a lot of us, whether it's a teacher or a guidance counselor, we wear a lot of hats a lot of time. We're at this school, right? You're you're the teacher, you're the counselor, you're the therapist, you're the you know guardian. A lot of times, you're you're wearing all these different hats, and it's it's challenging to have these different conversations. But I would imagine, as a guidance counselor, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I would imagine that the most common conversation that you have with kids might be around academics, around grades, around maybe getting into post secondary. Uh, I know at least my school, and for me as a teacher, that's kind of the conversation that we're having right now, especially with my grade 12s, right. all getting anxious about getting into school. Um, maybe you could tell me, what what are the most common conversations that you have with kids in your office when they come into your office? Is, is it academics? It's it's a mixture of both. It's uh, I would say my high school students, definitely the academics is a big piece to that. Uh, mental health has been... Uh, you know, we all know in the education world, it's been a huge increase, unfortunately, uh, since all the lockdowns um, and the pandemic. So that's both of those are, I'd say, equally as big conversations that I have with my high school kids. Um, middle school kids is more mental health and mm. the elementary students, um, I guess, would be more like, how old are you? Were you alive when dinosaurs were there? Did you have a pet dinosaur? You know, those important life questions. 
That would drive me crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, get me out of this job. <laughs> um, I, I like. I, I don't even think I told you, but I, I primarily teach grade eleven and, and 12s. Uh, and I know, as I mentioned earlier, that you know, grades in university is, is a big thing right now uh, for for my students. Do you find that I don't know? Is a lot of your conversations about the grades, or is it more about the anxiety about the grades? About you know, are they good enough to get into school, or is it like, oh, I need this course, and you know, Miss Layton, can you help me drop this course and add this course? Like, well, what's that more about with the older students? Yeah, that's a good question. It's definitely, I think it's it's a lot of grade elevens and twelves. I think just like you're seeing at your school, and yeah, it's. I would say it's not too much about the grades, and I think the bigger struggle that at least I'm seeing in my school is the struggle to meet submission deadlines in order mm. to get the grades that they want. Mm. That's the bigger piece that I'm seeing. And then, well, if I'm struggling right now, how does that then coincide to my life in high in post-secondary? Mm. Um, and if I want to get this grade, how can I get that grade? It's kind of a bit of both, but I'd say the struggling to meet deadlines is the bigger piece that I talk with the grade 11s and 12s with when they come to me about their academics. So do you find that in your role as a guidance counselor, you know, do you find yourself playing the role as a, you know, a therapist sometimes like trying to talk these kids off a ledge and be like, no, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Like, and I don't think maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Like you guys don't get this type of training to talk to these kids in terms with that therapist hat role. Am I correct? Or? Yeah, you are correct. It's a conversation. It's some, it's a reminder that has to be made to both the students and the parents that I am not a therapist. Um, right. You know, love that you trust me enough to tell me your deep, dark secrets. And I'm, I'm here for that, but I am not a therapist. We are not trained as therapists. Um, right. So where do you pick up? So obviously you're on the spot, right? These, yeah. these kids come to you. Let's just talk about grades, for instance, right? You know, they're coming to you about all these problems about their grades and all that stuff. Where did you find that over the years you've picked up that skill set to be able to have some of these conversations with, you know, these kids or maybe families that come into your office? That's a great question. Um, I know that, so for Ontario to be a guidance counselor, you just need to take the uh, guidance AQ, right? You take right. your four-month course and, and then you're stamped. In other provinces, you actually have to do a guidance master's. Um, mm. So you get like, you get the big training there. So you would pick that stuff up more in your schooling. Here, I found, I've been involved with camps for the last, I'd say, 29 years. And so that was a really big asset to being a guidance counselor is all mm -hmm. my years working at camps. Actually, you're put into those situations where unfortunately you do have to have those kinds of conversations surrounding mental health and, you know, body image, puberty, all those kinds of things. It's kind of like a mixture of being a guidance counselor and a health teacher. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's where I've sort of picked up on that. Um, and yeah, throughout my various experiences working with kids, I think also being overseas in two other countries and getting training in those countries as well gave me a really nice insight into um, just how other cultures function and the what is normal for a student, how it is normal for a student to function in those realms. That also helps inform, uh, I guess, some of my skill sets in being a guidance counselor. Interesting. That's got to be a challenging thing, right? Like, you know, you... 
you don't really expect it. You're you're just doing your thing. You're sipping on your coffee, and and then someone comes into your office with you know their problems, and to be able to turn on that switch, like, all right, cool. I think I got to put on my therapist hat right now. Yeah, that's got to be a challenging thing because you're making a lot of these decisions in a split second. Um, so I, I'm looking at the opposite spectrum here, right? So you got kids that want to talk about their grades and all that stuff, which is great, right? They, they want to get into school. But then I can ma- imagine on the opposite side that there may be kids that might be failing their their classes or might not get into post-secondary or maybe families are calling in, be like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my kid? Help me out. Um, first off, what do you do with those kids? Like I would imagine they're not coming into your office. Like how do you, <laughs> you know I mean, like if, if someone doesn't care about their academics, I'm sure they're not knocking on your door. So how, how does that conversation work? Do you call them in? Does a, a teacher give you a referral? Uh, do, are families calling in? And how does that conversation look when it's kids that don't really care? Right. Wouldn't it be so nice and easy if they just walked in and said, hey, I'm failing my class. Uh, here's what I need to do. What do you think? Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, those aren't the ones that are knocking on my door. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's either where a teacher will let me know and flag a situation of, you know, hey, Ron is not passing my class right now. Uh, That's the truth. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's, it's a mixture of the teacher flagging that for me and letting me know of what's going on. Um, or it is I'm seeing that in pattern in email patterns. Um, so I ask my colleagues to CC me in emails when they send uh, emails home to parents, if they're having concerns with academics or mental health, just so that I can see a pattern. And if there is a pattern, then I can step in and um, take that load off of their plate. Uh, right. So yeah, usually it'd be from the teacher, I guess. Uh, sometimes there are families that will let me know, not from an academic standpoint, but will say, you know, um, Ron's mental health is really not great and it's affecting how he's in engaging with his classes. Can you mm. please check in? Interesting. That's another common one that I get. Um, and so in that's in those situations, whenever it's flagged to me, then yeah, it's a conversation with the student for sure. Um, you know, what's going on? How long has this been happening for? And then after that, there's usually some sort of game plan that gets put in place between me, the student, and the teacher. And then I loop the family in. Right. Do you find that the grades are usually just uh, a symptom of maybe something that's going on with the kids? Or is it just like, ah, I just don't like geography and that's why I'm failing? Like, well, like how does that conversation even start? Like, you, you come in, you know, Jack is getting a, you know, a 47 in geography. You're like, do you just be like, hey, Jack, what the hell's going on, my man? Like, how does that, I can't even imagine. That must be a very awkward conversation to to have. Yeah, I mean, the benefit for me is that I'm in a small school and I know mm. all my students. I know their names. I, you know, we're, we're close, I guess, because mm. small school. If yeah. I were in a bigger school, I think that might be a tougher uh, situation to broach that subject. Right. Um, so for me, yeah, it kind of is like, Jack, man, what's going on in geography? Like, mm. tell me your side, what's happening here. Mm. I would say from not just from my school, but I know from my friends that work that are also teachers and from just from what I'm hearing from the boards and whatnot, there's a huge increase, uh, you know, from since the pandemic of mental health, just really weighing on our students and it is we're seeing an adverse effect with their grades and with their um ability to engage and like sustain that engagement throughout the throughout the year really 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see that at our school too. Um, we actually recently, I think the last two years, maybe three years, we hired a um, a professional counselor uh, to have these conversations about mental health. But before then, I, I think it was just the guidance counselors. Um, and I, I know mental health, especially with um, the pandemic, as you mentioned, it played a big role into why students were struggling online, rightfully so. Heck, I... I I hated it teaching online, right? So I can't even me imagine. Both. Yeah, right. Imagine <laughs> students learning all day, eight hours a day yeah. uh, online. That's got to be killer, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe transitioning into the whole mental health side of things. I'm sure that is a big conversation or common conversation that you have with kids. Am I correct? Sadly, yes. And do they come to you or like, because, you know, I'm trying to put myself in a 15, 16 year old kid's shoes. That's going to be a tough thing for me to bring up to an adult to say, hey, Miss Layton, I'm not feeling too great. I can't even imagine a world saying that. Like, So how does that conversation even come up in the first place? Yeah. I mean, again, what I see at my school is going to be vastly different than what happens in a public school because we're 125 kids across Mm. the gauntlet, you know? Um, So uh, for, for me, I find... The majority of the time, I don't need to chase these kids. They come, they they do come to me, or they'll go to a teacher, and the teacher will come to me, mm. um, or the parent. I, I have quite a few parents that will call me and say, "Hey, Ron's really not doing well. Um, mm. He doesn't know I'm telling you this, but you know, can you please give just check check in with him or something? Because I'm a little nervous." Mm. So there's that. I get those heads up, and then some of it is from what I see too. Um, but I would say about 97% of the time, the kids will come to my office and, you know, they just open up. Yeah. I'm not doing well, or I find that I can't concentrate during the day and I'm just like crying all the time, or I'm eating a lot and I don't know why, or, you know, there's just a lot of things that they'll just come out and say, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that these students feel comfortable enough to just word vomit to me. Um, but there are other times where I do have to sort of, yeah, pull them into my office myself because mm-hmm. it's obvious that there's a problem going on, that there's something that they're struggling with and they need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be me, but I am the person that has to flag that, hey, this is going on. We notice it. We care. So I'm here letting you know. How do you even build that trust with these kids to your point to, for them to voluntarily come to your office and to word vomit to you like where do you get even get that opportunity because I, I think most people would think that guidance counselors are not in the classroom so you're not seeing them you know for 80 minutes a day or whatever the class blocks are like where do you get that chance to even build that relationship with them you know a lot of guidance counselors actually are teaching they're not teaching mm-hmm. a lot but the they might have you know a course slotted in so maybe they're doing the um the career studies class. Uh, yes. Maybe they're doing learning strategies. Maybe they're doing, maybe they're running a club or something after school. Uh, right. Like part of being a guidance counselor and being, especially in the public board, being a guidance counselor is really facilitating those relationships with the students. And it's up to, it's kind of up to you to put yourself out there so that you're showing that you have cultivated relationships with the students. And from there, um, once you've established that sort of bond with a bunch of them, guidance becomes a lot easier. 
because mm. they've already seen that you can do that. And then, yeah, usually guidance counselors will teach a course here and there, or like I said, they're doing a club. They're doing something where they're involved in the school life. Right. They're yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Um, I know at our school too, like I'm in uh, the, well, everyone knows, uh, like I teach at Appleby. So the guidance counselors at our school too, they, they teach courses as well. They teach uh, careers, they teach, uh, yeah, they run our guidance classes. Right. Uh, so the kids do know them. But I, again, sometimes I think about like a, a public school that I went to when I was in high school. Um, I don't think the guidance counselors taught those courses. I think it was like a history teacher that taught career studies. Yeah, I couldn't even uh, tell you who my guidance counselors were. Not, not. Yeah, a- yeah, me neither. Right. So, I, yeah, you're right. I think it might be a little bit different. So, I'd be curious how those guidance counselors would be able to to cultivate some of those relationships. Because, yeah, that would be challenging, right? Yeah. What about um, so? Just talking about the topics and stuff that the kids come to you with. Mm-hmm. You know, I would imagine you know they're they're coming talking to you about depression or maybe anxiety like is, is are those some of the common themes that we're seeing in terms of some of these conversations yes it's a lot of a lot of depression a lot of anxiety um we're seeing we we have an increase in students on IEPs or parents mm. looking to get their students on IEPs so it's also a lot of conversations <clears throat> sorry surrounding uh accommodations that they feel that they need um mm-hmm. and sorting those out um again a big thing is uh struggling with meeting submission deadlines for their courses um unfortunately a, a large conversation i have with students are suicidal ideations um, oh man yeah but that's the point like i was saying at the beginning like because we're not therapists how do you like i don't even know what i would say to a kid like you know i, I feel like my first thought would be all right you know let's find you some help because I don't even know how to have these conversations. And if you were to find help for someone, where do you send them? Cause I, I don't know. Do you have like a therapist, a trained therapist at your school or cause if you don't, where do you send these kids is the, my, my first thought. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, uh, not every school has the resources for a social worker and a, and a yeah. school therapist or uh, anything like that. Um, some schools share guidance counselors between them. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the buck does stop with the guidance counselor or the principal. So, for example, in my school, that's me. Like, I'm the one, you know, I'm the guidance counselor and we don't we don't have a therapist. We don't have a social worker. So mm. the process when a student comes to me saying, like, I'm thinking of this, my first quest, my first thing is, you know, you always validate what they're saying and letting them mm-hmm. know no one's judging here, you know, safe space. Thank you for telling me. Um, and my first question is, do you have a plan? Cause then that informs what the next steps are. If they have a plan, I have to, the duty to report. So that is a call home and mm-hmm. that is a, um, you know, need to take your kid to, um, a walk-in, uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, into a merge, um, at mm-hmm. a hospital and you need to go and let them know that there's a, a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have, if they currently have a therapist, then I ask to have a conversation with the therapist to got to put a safety plan in place. And, um, yeah, the, the, then there's a whole process from there. So once you have to report it, the student stays in my office, you know, I ask them, I have to ask them to empty out their pockets. And, um, you know, if there's anything in my office that is, uh, looking, looking like it fits within your plan, you need to let me know. Um, they're basically not to be alone until the parent, the parent or guardian comes to pick them up. 
So that's got to be scary. It's a bit of a process. And it's kind of one of those moments that you really have to compartmentalize your own emotions. And you kind of have to turn off any care is the wrong word, but you you have to turn off that, oh, I just want to hug you and, you know, cry with right. you and tell you everything's going to be okay. You you have to turn that off and you have to um really go into like professional mode. And it's it's a lot of reassuring. It's a lot of comforting and it's a lot of, you know, you're not in trouble. You're not mm-hmm. doing anything wrong, but we need to make mm-hmm. sure you're getting the help that you can get. And mm-hmm. right now staying in class for the day is not where the help is. Right. Now, that totally makes sense for for kind of that extreme situation. Mm-hmm. What about something more in like the middling gray area where someone's like, oh, I'm depressed, I got anxiety and yada, yada, yada. And yeah. they, they kind of tell you all this, but then they also say, and I've, I've had this before too as a, as a teacher where they say to you, Miss Layton, I appreciate if you didn't tell my parents about this or I don't tell my teachers or friends or whatever, just keep this between you and I. But then you're like, oh, I need to tell someone because I can't help you. And obviously, if I don't tell anyone, we can't help. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they trust you, but you feel the need to say something to someone. That is where I feel like, ah, I don't want to break this trust because you clearly trust me. But now I feel like I have to break this trust and tell someone about this. Yeah. So that is, I think, one of the toughest parts of the job is what you have to do with the information once it's disclosed to you. And I make sure at the beginning of every year when I go around to all the classes and introduce myself and, you know, here's what a guidance counselor is. Day one, I let them know, you know, I'm here as a non-judgmental, impartial person in your life. If you do broach subjects of, you know, suicidal thoughts, harming yourself or someone else, um, if you are in danger, anything like that, the this everything you say stays in my office is kind of done. And here's the mm-hmm. process to that. Um, mm-hmm. So they kind of know right off the bat that, mm-hmm. yes, things stay between you and I, but they they don't always. And if they do, I will let you know. Thank you for sharing. I'm so sorry this is what you're going through. Um, I do want to let you know, um, you know, you are not in trouble. However, um, our next step is I'm going to, I'm going to bring the principal in here. I'm with you this entire time. We're going to have a phone call with your parents as well. I'm here the entire time. I will hold your hand, whatever you need. Um, and so you can't, that's the sad thing you, you can't, yeah. right. Cause you have to support right. them. Right. You were saying earlier in the conversation that a lot of, you know, elementary school kids come to you about mental health, right? Yeah. That is, uh, well, first off, number one, that's super sad. They're so young. I know. Um, and number two, um, are, are these kids voluntarily coming into your office telling you a lot of this stuff or are you kind of more getting the referrals? Because the reason why I ask is because if they're coming to your office voluntarily, like, First off, wow, all the power to them. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but but also shocking because, again, I I can't imagine my being myself at that age having the, um, I don't know, self-awareness to be like, hey, I need help, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a mixture of both. Uh, sometimes they'll come to me and sometimes they'll come to me just to, you know, chat and try and get out of being a class. But those <laughs> moments kind of divulge into 
they actually do need someone to talk to. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes into that. Um, the other times I make a point of going into some of the younger kids classes, uh, at least once a week, they call it a play date. I'm using it as like a social emotional learning time. And, mm. uh, so if I have any concerns that pop up from there, I'll have a chat with the teacher and then, um, either have a conversation with the family and the kid or just the kid first and then the family. And then other times the teachers are like, Hey, Sam, I kind of want you to have a chat with uh, little Ronnie over there. Cause I'm right. just, some red flags are popping up for me. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of red flags uh, yeah. with me and I can tell you that, <laughs> um, I've been told that, ah. um, have you, I don't know, like, I know we were talking about earlier how we're not all therapists and we don't have the training. Have you gone out for any specific PD or any resources or good advice that's been passed on to you from other people to have some of these more challenging conversations around mental health and, and grades and all that stuff? You know, where have you kind of seeked out some of your, your resources? Yeah, um, I had a actually a mentor from my when I went to high school. Um, one of the teachers that was never my teacher became the head of guidance, and I kind of reached out to him. Um, and he he sort of helped me quite a bit when I first started. Um, so that I would say, you know, use connections, use your mm. connections. I think the guidance AQ was really helpful as well. You get a, you get really good resources through that. Um, and everyone that takes the guidance AQ either has already done guidancey roles or, you know, is looking into it. So they kind of have experience. So that's great. Um, I also use, I actually use a lot of stuff from the spec ed AQ. Um, I don't no. know if you've done that, but no, I haven't. yeah, I did it last, I did it recently within the last like three years. And I found that to be quite helpful. Um, okay. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the mental health stuff that at least I'm seeing pop up has to do around um, ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Those would be, I think the, the main three. And so the mental health piece of ADHD, um, especially when there's there, they're new in their ADHD journey. It does require a lot of the, the, the tools and resources that you learn in the spec ed AQ. Mm. So I use a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, I think also just like doing my own random research every now and then. Um, right. But I think a lot of what I do is from watching others, right? listening to other guidance counselors talk, watching other guidance counselors work, um, looking at my more senior colleagues and how they interact with the students has also been pretty helpful for me. Right. What's the hardest part about being a guidance counselor, you think? Ooh. Um, I think the hardest part, for me, it's not always having the resources available that are needed in the moment to support the kids. And I think also knowing that you can't make it, you can't always make it better for them. Mm. You know, be, being a listening ear is really great in some situations, but for the more consistent, ongoing, and serious situations, you know that you can't fix it for them. And that that's really hard for me to like see these kids that I care about so much struggle. And I I, I yeah. can't, I can't just wave my magic wand for them. That's got to be really challenging. They they come to you with, you know, all these issues, and they they place this trust in you, and then you're like, 
I can't do anything to, to help you. I could pass you on to the next person, but um, that's got to be really, really challenging for, for you and for the kids too, because they obviously come to you hoping that you would have the answers, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, like teachers, like all of us that work in education, there's red tape that we have to, you know, work with and the bureaucracy right. part of the the job. And it's there for a reason. It's in place for a reason, but it does sometimes hinder, um, I guess, what you'd be able to do in a moment. All right. Uh, Sam, I am looking at the time. It looks like we have to wrap up this conversation. This is not a tough conversation. This has been a fun conversation. <laughs> yes. Uh, we got to wrap things up over here. Um, for all the listeners out there, I know we were chatting uh, before offline that you have your own podcast. What is this podcast is about? Where can people find you? I do. Um, yeah. So a good friend of mine, we started a podcast called Popcorn Cinema. Um, ah. And uh, basically, we're we've got different segments and what we do sometimes we pit movies against each other we did like a halloween episode where we looked at you know three of the big uh slashers freddy krueger michael myers and jason and you know nice. who wins who's the best villain and we did a <laughs> christmas one we just did a two-parter of uh who's the best santa out of uh four santas um <laughs> you know sometimes we look at movies that are deemed quote-unquote bad and we watch them to see are they actually that bad <laughs> so yeah, you can find it on uh, Spotify, on um, Apple, Apple Spotify. yeah, on Google, Google. on um, it's a whole bunch of them. But yeah, okay, popcorn, popcorn cinema. cinema. We'll put that in the uh, in the show notes over there. Thanks. Uh, no problem, um, Sam. Thank you so much for joining in on this conversation today. I really appreciate you taking time of your day today. Uh, so thank you again for for coming on and, and helping out. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is great, and I I'm glad I can help answer questions. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you for all our listeners as well for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at the Teacher Hotline. And of course, uh, don't forget to click that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other streaming platforms. We'll see you all in two weeks. Woo-hoo!